Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 88, Villains After Hours. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. Hey, Pete. How are you? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So th- this is, I guess, the second week now uh, since we've been at Disney, and I'm still not really back in the real world yet. Yeah, it's it, we have, well, we're, we're, obviously it's yeah, it's always tough coming back from vacation, but something about Disney is especially difficult. And and I've told Pete this: I don't know what made the trip go by so quickly, but this trip went by quicker than any Disney trip I've ever been on. We it was it was Monday, and we're both everyone's at work, and I texted Pete and I said, "Did it even feel like that we went?" Yeah, it's it's nuts how quick it went by. So we're going to keep trying to re- relive this magic. We're going to talk about the Villains After Hours event uh, that, that Tom and I went to on Thursday night of our trip, correct? Yep. So before we get into that, let's pause for just a minute to hear, uh, hear the news of the week. What do we got this week? So before we head into the news, I, I want to address our uh, recent absence that we've had from the podcast. And if, you've, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, you can certainly interact with us there. And we have been relatively active uh, th- through, our, through our Twitter. But we, we have just been on opposite schedules. Matt, Pete, and I have all talked about doing the podcast almost daily and tried to find a schedule where just two of the three of us were available at the same time to do an episode and it's just been funky. We've had some vacations mixed in. We had some birthdays mixed in. We had an anniversary mixed in. So it is, uh, it's is—it's been a really busy last couple of weeks. But the good news is we think all that's behind us. And obviously, you know, we're back with this week. And, and Pete and I plan to uh, be back next week. I don't think Matt will be on that episode either. Uh, but moving forward from there, I think he'll be, he'll be back uh, as a regular participant as well. So with that being said, thank you for your patience. We greatly appreciate all the responses on Twitter and you guys reaching out to make sure we were okay. Yes, everybody's doing really well. We've had an awesome last couple of weeks with the 4th of July with, like I said, anniversaries, birthdays, vacations. It's been a blast. Uh, But now we're excited to be back. And in the next couple of weeks, I'll be back down at Disney and a Disney cruise and we'll have another uh, kind of Tom Does Disney episode or a Tom Does Disney cruise episode. So uh, with all that being said, let's dive into the news because obviously we have a ton of it. I'm going to start in Epcot. So Epcot, there is a full list of fall future world closings now available. If you if you follow Disney and, and you've listened to us, you've been aware that future world will be having some, uh, I guess reinvention would be the right way, where, where they'll be changing some things there. So by the end of the summer, uh, September 8th, 2019 would be the end of the summer. The following locations will be closed at Disney World. Club Cool, Mickey, Minnie, and Pluto meet and greet, Joy and Sadness character meet and greet, Baymax Character Meet and Greet, Fountain View, Starbucks, uh, Colortopia and Innoventions, Fountain of the Nations, and Art of Disney, and I believe Penn Central as well. In addition to all those, the Electric Umbrella Quick Service Dining location will officially close November 23rd, 2019, after which this location is expected to be remodeled and possibly rethemed for 2020. A lot of closings, a lot, a lot of changes happening at Future World. So if you're going to Disney in the near future, no pun intended, Going go to Club Cool, maybe going to Interventions one last time because those those closures are right around the corner. Now, having said all that, Club Cool will be moving in the near future. It'll eventually be closing uh, as, as the guest's favorite area at Epcot, which includes, you know, it has the free beverage stations and flavors from around the world. However, um, it's confirmed that it will be staying in the park and will return in some fashion after it closes. So Club Cool in the current form, in the current place, will be no more. But it does sound like Disney will find a way to reincorporate this into the park. There are no details about when or where the new location might open, uh, but it is expected to return. Staying with Epcot, Takumite, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, will be is now either open at the World Showcase. It's a signature dining experience in Walt Disney World. It's in the Japan Pavilion. I have seen a, uh, a video of, of a dining experience here. It looks very... Uh, I don't want to say fancy, but it's nicer than your typical dining experience in the World Showcase or at Disney World. It's certainly nicer than La Cellier. Uh, it's named Takumite, which because that means the house of the artisan and the new new restaurant. Um, 
we'll have a pretty beefy menu. That is pun intended. Wagyu beef will be served, and I think it's one thirty per person, uh, which is a pricey, pricey meal at Disney. Drinks include signature cocktails, premium sake, uh, and wine, and then a craft beer menu. Taking the monorail ride over to the Magic Kingdom here. Crowds were pretty light during the July 4th holiday, which is which is weird. July 4th is arguably top three busiest times at Disney World, probably behind, I would say, Christmas and New Year's. Well, this year, if you, if you were at the park or if you followed on the My Disney Experience app, you would see that the wait times for all the big attractions – between 60 and 90 minutes for most of the day. And Disney did not hit capacity. And when I say big attractions, I'm talking Frozen Ever After, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, those type attractions. Not sure what's driving this outside of Galaxy's Edge being right around the corner and maybe people waiting for that. But yeah, it was a lighter a lighter time to do July 4th at Disney World. Staying at Magic Kingdom, Mickey and Minnie's surprise celebration will be ending September 30th. If you've, if you've followed the podcast, we, we haven't spent a ton of time on this, but it's actually been well-received. They've had a uh, surprise celebration that has lasted for quite some time. It'll end, like as, as I mentioned, on September 30th. So with that came a few unique experiences for the guest, one of which was a Mickey and Minnie greeting that was inside of the Town Square Theater, and they were sporting all-new colorful outfits for kind of, kind of celebratory outfits. Uh, there was a reimagined Move It, Shake It, Mouska Dance It street party. Uh, which is a, a, an afternoon parade at the Magic Kingdom. And then there were surprise character meet and greets at the flagpole on Main Street. And this ranged from a variety of characters. I'm not going to read all of them. There were some rare characters you could find. I mean, Robin Hood, Friar Tuck uh, were, were two of the ones that kind of stick out to me. Remy from Ratatouille was one. But there was a lot of characters that at random would kind of show up at the flagpole. Didn't know who or when or or which characters or which combination it would be, but it was really well received. Moving over to Hollywood Studios, as you can imagine, it's going to be pretty heavy with Star Wars probably from here on out. Uh, so we'll just start diving into it. Star Wars March of the First Order is now closed. That was the March of the First Order parade that, that came down the streets of Hollywood Studios. Its last day of operation was July 7th, so that was obviously a couple weeks ago. I would be stunned if this doesn't pop up again at some point in Galaxy's Edge. And I could be off with the storyline where it wouldn't fit, but I, I don't know. I mean, this the show was well-received. It always had people watching it. I wasn't personally a huge fan, but when you did go up and watch it, you noticed how in-depth the costuming was for the Stormtroopers and for uh, Captain Phasma. Same with Hollywood Studios. Galaxy's Edge previews to begin for top-tier annual pass holders. Disney has announced that top-tier annual pass holders, including Platinum, Platinum Plus, and Premier, Pass holders will have the opportunity to register for a preview of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on select dates and times in August at Hollywood Studios. Email invitations with a link to register will be sent out over the next few weeks. If you're an eligible pass holder and would like to register a guest to accompany you, that guest must also have a valid Platinum, Platinum Plus, or Premier annual pass. They will also have to be listed on your family and friends list and have opted to share all my plans with you. This is something I'm interested in. I will be activating my annual pass August 2nd, so I'm sure I'll be far behind and won't have an opportunity to do this. But believe me, if a, if a preview opens for me and my wife, we're changing plans. I mean, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get get down to Disney World at, at some point because that uh, I mean, you can probably hear my smile through through your radio or earbuds, whichever way you use to listen to our podcast. Uh, another good piece of news that came out, Rise of Resistance, which is the other main attraction that's going to be in Galaxy's Edge, will open later this year. Uh, Disneyland's version of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was first to open, but it looks like Walt Disney World uh, in, in Orlando will actually be the first to be complete, as Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is set to open at Disney's Hollywood Studios before the end of the year. December 5th, 2019 is the date, so it'll be in time for the busy holiday season. Here's my take. I think at Disneyland, there were some issues on the trackless portion of Rise of the Resistance, which slowed them down. And at Disney World, because they caught those issues, they they were able to cut time here. So uh, that's why I believe this is happening. I could be wrong. This could have been in the plans all along for Disney, but I don't I don't think it actually was. N- nonetheless, though, this is a Disney World podcast, and we live close to Disney World, so we're excited about this. Uh, and last bit of news in Hollywood Studios, Galaxy's Edge cast member previews will begin August 1st. Disney has announced that cast members will have the opportunity to register for a preview of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on select dates and times in August as well. 
Sign-ups for the cast member previews will open Monday, July 22nd, so just the day before this podcast released. And select dates and times will be available, I think, August 1st to the 16th. Cast members will be able to bring one guest to the preview, so if you know a cast member, maybe start uh, buttering them up. And the preview window will allow you to experience the land for up to four hours, which is very similar to what we saw at Disneyland in California. Moving to Animal Kingdom Up, a great bird adventure will be reworked this fall. So we mentioned back in 2018, Disney's Animal Kingdom changed Flights of Wonder to Up, the movie Up, alongside the cast of birds and kind of changed the title uh, to a more IP-friendly Up, a great bird adventure. But it looks like these changes have not been super popular. I can tell you I've been to Animal Kingdom multiple times and have not seen this show. I've walked by when it was going on, but just don't really have a desire. So it sounds like Disney's going to rework the show, and these changes will be implemented I guess between September 8th and 14th with a reopening plan for September 15th. So pretty quick rework there. Uh, It'll be interesting to follow and we'll stay on top of that one. Last bit of news in Animal Kingdom. Primeval World continues to be closed due to a mysterious technical issue since June 17th, I think. So several weeks ago. We mentioned that this ride was closed until further notice. We speculated it it was going to open July 3rd for July 4th weekend. That didn't happen. The folks who had FastPass Plus reservations for that received replacement fast passes, which is a sign that that ride's not going to be open that day. We have no idea what's causing this traction to malfunction. So seriously, no clue when it's going to open. I don't have any guess. Um, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, for Disney to release nothing, it must be fairly serious though. It must be, you know, um, safety issues because I, I can't imagine Disney not being able to figure this one out. Moving to some general uh, and and some, yeah, I guess some resort news and some water park news, actually. New buses debuting this month. Uh, traveling by bus probably isn't the most exciting part of your time at Disney, although we love it. Uh, but the the debuted new bus designs feature the Sensational Six, so Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto as kind of the exterior of the bus. And in addition, these buses will feature uh, refreshed interiors that include Brand new blue seats, laminate floors, and some of them will also have USB charging port, port charging ports conveniently located between seats. That's an absolute game changer. If you fly at all and, and you get on a plane that does not have charge charging capabilities, it's a real buzzkill. So uh, that's awesome. I think that's Disney staying ahead of the curve. And and people obviously are on their cell phone more than ever at Disney World now with, with the utilization of the My Disney Experience app. To our resort news. Grandestino Towers now open. This was been under construction for quite some time at Disney's Coronado Spring, Springs Resort. Uh, we have stayed there. This was obviously was not there, oh, and construction had maybe just begun, but I'm not not even sure if construction had begun yet. Uh, but anywho, it, it is open now. It had it adds 545 modern guest rooms, including 50 suites and club level services. And it's a grand. Uh, they have a grand two story lobby, new meeting venues, new lounges, and a rooftop restaurant with spectacular views. I've also seen a video on this. I will be sure to check it out my next Disney trip. My wife and I do like to resort hop. So we'll probably make, we'll probably hop our way over here. But it looks fantastic. It's sleek. It looks very business professional. And as you know, Coronado Springs is kind of their convention business uh, type resort. And now to our last piece of news, the water parks. Extended refurbishment has been confirmed for Disney's Blizzard Beach. While Disney World has announced earlier earlier this week that additional refurbishment work and enhancements will take place at the Blizzard Beach Water Park later this year, resulting in a longer-than-usual closure for this park than we've seen in previous years. Blizzard Beach is set to close for refurbishment beginning September 8th and reopen sometime in early 2020. So that is that's quite a long refurbishment. Now, obviously, some of those months wouldn't be great for water parks anyway, but... We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens here. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, pause for just a second here to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando, and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. 
Then choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, so let's revisit, uh, let's revisit this trip for the second week in a row. Let's talk about this Villains After Hours event. And I know we've, we touched on this a little bit last week. We didn't get into too much detail about it, but I really want to go in depth, you know, kind of what, uh, what we saw, what we did, what we liked, what we didn't like. What, what was your first impression of this event? Yeah, I think I think starting off backing it up and explaining just kind of what this is. It's it's a we've talked about a hard ticketed event. It's after hours at Disney's Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's very similar to a not so scary or a very merry Christmas in that there are a limited number of tickets sold. It can sell out, and you have access to the park when uh, it's actually closed to other park visitors. But it's it, it's in July and August. It's something that Disney has done before at Hollywood Studios that Pete actually was fortunate enough to go to, but it, it's it kind of went away from there. So I guess first thought, a very different feeling Magic Kingdom. I mean, kind of an eerie feel to it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. And, you know, you mentioned the the Villains event at Hollywood Studios. Matt and I went to that, It's I mean, several years ago. It's probably been seven or eight years ago at this point that we went to that. They didn't really do a whole lot at Hollywood Studios to turn this into a Villains Park, right? There were some projections and that that kind of stuff, which I think were recycled into this uh, Villains After Hours event that we went to, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of that. The atmosphere at Magic Kingdom was very, very different. And, and I won't say the whole park was like that, but there were certainly areas where the, the music and the lighting really contributed to the kind of eerie feeling of, of being in this park. Yeah, I think... The closer you got to the main hub, the more eerie it was because you had the music from the stage show that we'll talk about later that went on multiple times throughout the evening. Some parks definitely unchanged. Some portions of the parks, park was unchanged. Frontierland was Frontierland to me. That There was nothing really there that stood out as being changed. But you get over by the Haunted Mansion, that area, part of Fantasyland, part of Tomorrowland felt much different. So Disney, they did a really good job. And it, and it really, it, it does not feel like the happy Magic Kingdom. It seemed dark. Uh, I think they turned down the lights around the area as well. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a neat event. Yeah, and, and unlike a not-so-scary or a very Merry Christmas, not a whole lot of decorations, it, right? Good I mean, point. Yep. music, sound effects, lighting, you know, a lot of green lighting, a lot of blue lighting, what you would associate with Disney villains, with Hades, with, you know, you know just villains in general. Not a whole lot of, I don't know, I think of Not So Scary Halloween, there's pumpkins, or not, you know, very merry, there's wreaths all over the place. And I guess the further you get out from the hub, the, the less of that that you see, but really nothing other than lighting and, and some projections for uh, for this event. Yeah, and, and, and I think uh, something we can bring up now, there's no villain meet and greets at this event where, where you look at Not So Scary and you look at Very Merry, that's a huge part of what you do there. Well, some people, what some people do there, they like to meet the characters in unique, it could be a unique costume, a unique group of characters together, or a unique character altogether that only comes out for those events. While this stage show certainly showed off a lot of villains and unique characters, they were not available for meet and greets. There, not one character in Magic Kingdom, there was no area for meet and greet. That I do want that to be ex- ex- you know, perfectly clear. This is not a meet and greet type event. No, not at all, which is another change from the Hollywood Studios Villains Unleashed, I think it was called, that we went to, is that they did have some some unique characters, some special characters that you didn't see a whole lot. And again, you're right, same with Not So Scary, same with Very Merry Christmas, where they do have those specialty characters, and, and that is a big part of what people do. So, what's it cost? It's it's pricey. It's pricey. It's very pricey. $139 per adult. We received a... $30 discount on our ticket because we were, we had some annual pass holders with us and um, that helped. And and what you get for the ticket, we'll get into as well, but it's Disney makes their hay on these uh, after hour events. They certainly do. And and look, if, if I had been at a different park all day and we had come to Magic Kingdom at 10 o'clock when this event started, 
I, I would say this isn't this was not be worth the price that we paid. Now we did pay ninety nine dollars, which I thought was a pretty fair value for going into the park at seven o'clock and and staying until one o'clock. Yeah, and and that's that's a good point. So we we didn't go to a park that day. We worked that day, and we we got down to Florida in time to go in at seven. They do allow you in three hours before the event starts. I will tell you a tip, I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna reveal it. This is one of those. This is one of those that Pete and I were, were kind of talking about the trip, and it just was a really when the light bulb goes off moment. You know, I said, "Well, what are we gonna do for those three hours in the park without fast passes?" And Pete's like, "Why can't we get fast passes?" So we had fast passes from seven, you know, to ten. So we pretty much were riding attractions the entire time. Very early into the evening, we had knocked out Space Mountain normally, just about everything. Seven right? Dwarfs. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every ride: Splash Mountain, Big Thunder. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, all the ones that we were kind of going Buzz Lightyear, pretty much everything. And uh, then the once the event started, I will say that Disney did a fantastic job of weeding out the people who did not have a ticket at the park. I've never seen it like this. Yeah, I wanted to comment on that too because a lot of the events that we've been to in the past, it's it's very they're very slack on the security. It's kind of like eh. if you stay hidden long enough, you're probably okay. Is some of these yeah. Events. And they, they don't search all night long, right? So if you just avoid the cast members for like an hour, and, and I am in no way condoning this because we would certainly never do this. But if you, I guess the problem was, and, and we talked to a cast member that confirmed that people were hiding out for an hour, hour and a half after the event started, avoiding the cast members, and then they were fine for the rest of the night without the wristband. I mean, they had a ton of checkpoints checking for these wristbands for the event. It was about every 30 steps. It did not matter if you were on the phone because at various parts of the night, Pete's on the phone with his wife. I'm talking to mine. Didn't matter if you were on the phone. Didn't matter what you, if you had a stroller, if you had food in your hand. They said, "Hey, hey, hey, show us your wristband, please." And they had very bright wristbands, so it was not, uh, and they were not paper wristbands. They they were not coming off your wrist, and you weren't going to rip them and put them on someone else's wrist. So kudos to Disney, kudos to Disney there on kind of monitoring because it's a, it's an expensive ticket, and if you pay that price, I think you you want everyone else to pay the price too, right? Yeah, yeah. So crowd level, what did you think about the crowd level? Oh man, that's that's tricky. I, I actually think the no meet and greets hurt the attraction lines because there's nowhere for people to go. And there is a stage show. There are some cool things you can see. There's special treats. We're going to get into all that. But I mean, you, you had a at one point probably a 45 minute wait for space. Yeah, it was it was a little bit more crowded to get on the attractions than I think I I thought that it would be. Particularly in light of how not so scary's been, how very merry has been, but but you're right. You've got those character meet and greets taking people away from from the attractions. I mean, we didn't even try to get on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train after the event had started because it regularly had a 35 to 45 minute wait. And when you're when you've only got three hours, you really don't want to burn 20 percent of that on waiting in line for an attraction. I would say the biggest place that I that I noticed it. We've talked about our not so scary and very merry trips. And Pete's villains trip to Hollywood Studios, where they were riding Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster repeatedly. You weren't going to do that on Space Mountain. Like that was the ride I can think of as an example that we always rode repeatedly. So it' not so scary. We would do Space six, seven, eight times in a row, just keep running back in line. And the only wait was basically walking through the entirely too long queue. And that even that night we avoided Seven Dwarfs, but that night Seven Dwarfs stayed about twenty to forty minutes, and we did get it right there at the end. This time. Seven Dwarfs and Space Mountain were pretty busy. And Peter Pan as well, Peter surprisingly. Pan, yeah, Peter Pan never really got below 20, which I know, relatively speaking, to what you see during the day, that's not a long wait. But to what Pete alluded to, if you have three hours, you know, 20-minute, 25-minute queue, and then you finish the attraction, now you're done two and a half hours. And you're just 20-minute show, now you're done two hours. I mean, it, it, it quickly, quickly adds up. Now, I will say there's a reason in my opinion, Space Mountain did have a long wait. It was so Pete and I did Space Mountain like normal Space Mountain. You heard me mention they turn all the lights off for this event. It's kind of a that they do a music overhaul. It's villains. It's it's very recognizable voices in the attraction that you hear laughing and talking to you, and it is absolutely pitch black. I you know the beginning of Space Mountain where you go through kind of the looks like you're going through hyperspace. You know where it kind of turns blue. Nope, no lights there. You know, no you can, picture, no, no on-ride photo. No ride photo, yeah. You can typically see the track a little bit on Space Mountain, I would say. Nothing. And it made the ride infinitely better. 
Yeah, this to me was probably the coolest uh, coolest part of the whole event was riding Space Mountain in the dark with this uh, with this villain's audio overlay. I would have honestly skipped everything else and just done this over and over again had the line been short enough. Yeah, that was that was kind of the the deal. We did it right there early in the evening, pretty short wait, and then at one point the line was back out the door. And, and then, I think we saw a forty-five or fifty-minute wait for Space Mountain during the event, which is just insane to me. At one point, Pete and I were like, "No way, we're going to stay till one o'clock." And then time just flew, and we were it's one fifteen, and we're still there. But we we did ride it again at the end. And I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that's the last attraction we did. Uh, so that was one really really good one. And then Pirates of the Caribbean has live actors inside the queue, and on the attraction which I thought the Barbosa that, that was only attraction, the actor for us was fantastic. I mean, facial expressions, hand, hand gestures, voice, really, really good. Yeah, he, he definitely was. You know, the, the actor in the queue didn't really do anything for me just because that queue is so short that everybody just runs right by there, right? So you don't really get any impact from that, from that actor. But, but yeah, the Barbosa on the attraction was, was spot on. Very, very well done. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I, the, the actor in the queue didn't do it for me either. But but again, where he was located, there was no buildup of line there. So you didn't really, you just br- breeze right past him. But other than that, those two, you know, and then just some things to be aware of. You know, like Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, we should have done before the park closed. Because that is live comedians. We did miss that. And Peter Pan remained to have, you know, Steady had a long line. Be aware of that if you if you do this event. Everything else was pretty easy to get on. I mean, Honda Mansion, we walked right on to Jungle Cruise. I mean, really everything else was uh, was very short lines. And we may have, I said Jungle Cruise. I think Jungle Cruise may have been closed during the event. I think we got on right before we did, the park closed. But, but Jungle Cruise at that point only had a 10-minute wait. I did notice that when we scanned our Fast Pass because it was kind of like, oh, well, this was a, we didn't really need a Fast Pass. But yeah, I mean, other, other than that, I, I thought, you know, I would say as a general overview, if you're going to this just for the rides, there are better after-hour events, and we can probably debate that at the end of the episode. But if you're if you're going for the whole to be at Magic to be at Magic Kingdom for six hours, and maybe you do it like us, where you don't go to the park that day, it definitely gave us the energy to go into one. Yeah, it it certainly did, and and you're right. I I don't know that last time we did not so scary. I mean, we were at Magic Kingdom from start to finish, right? Se- yeah, 7 a.m. to 1 or 2, whenever it ended. 1, a- 1 a.m. And I, I don't think I could do that again. That was a uh, that was a long day. But yeah, I think going in from 7 to 1 was uh, was just the right amount with this event. So. And I'll tell you, Pete and I even talked about this while we were in. You could have gone and had a, a 6.30 dinner reservation, gotten in at 7.30 or 8 to the park or 8.30, and that would have been totally fine as well. You know, there were plenty to do. So what else do we have to do besides those two rides? Uh, we we do have there's a, a stage show, uh, Villains Unite the Night. So and this is a show. It's similar to the show that we saw at the Hollywood Studios Villains event, uh, but it but it's Hades is kind of the master of ceremonies, I guess you could call him. Yeah, I, you know I think that evening we saw it in bits and pieces multiple times. Did not sit through the entirety of the show. Uh, we both have seen the show, and you know, it's it's kind of like a roll call to me. They do some great projection work. I mean, the castle seriously changes to every th- without ruining it for every theme of what villain is kind of running that little two minute or three minute segment. You know, with their song and their dance or whatever it is. You see, so this is another thing. You see a lot of villains that would be super cool to have meet and greets with, but you don't meet and greet with them. Uh, so that's. That's kind of the the main attraction. There's no fireworks show associated with throughout the night. Like you know, not so scary ha- had its own, which I think they're doing away with. Very Mary has its own. You don't have that at villains at the villains after hours, but you do have the 20 minute show. The projections are strong, and it, it's it's actually a darker it's a darker Disney show. I mean, it it's there's some adult humor in it. The only thing that bothers me is Jafar is not a face character. I I, I really wish he would be. Which I think you made that comment. While we were standing there watching the end of it, yeah, it's just it's frustrating because I've seen him do it, and I think it looks way better when he's a face character. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So see the show. I think they do it three, three or four times. I think it's three times that they do the show. Yeah, I don't remember. It's it's one of the two. It's you have multiple opportunities. You do, and then you also have the Maleficent float, 
that comes that comes out a couple of times during the event. I think it comes out either two or three times during the event as well. I mean, I I like this float a lot. To me, every time I see it, though, like I swear, I think it's going to light itself on fire. So, by far, one of the coolest things is to see that thing just rolling around on its own, doing the fire, everything. But I I understand what Pete's saying. We were behind it, walking over to haunted mansion or something. And it just, we we just happened to bump into it. It was not a planned thing. We knew we would we knew we would be around at some point and see it. We weren't really stressing about it. And yeah, I mean, it looks like its head's going to catch on fire every single time it breathes fire, or it's going to light something else on fire. But Disney obviously has it under control now because they had the scare, and obviously, I think they they wouldn't be rolling this out if they weren't comfortable with it. So yeah, you it would was, hope. it's cool. You would hope it's it is cool to see. I mean, there's there's music with that too, and that that is single-handedly the coolest float at Disney World. So to see that multiple times in a very unique setting, and it's le- keep, keep in mind, it's less people than when you try to fight to see, you know, the fire, the uh, parade, rather, and during the day at Magic Kingdom. You're not fighting massive crowds. Yeah, it certainly is. And there's there are a couple of accompaniments to this float. You know, you've got those stilt walkers. Some street, it's all street interaction level. It's, it's right yes. there at ground level. There, there's nothing else that size. We didn't see a whole lot of people dressed up. I think Disney's trying to encourage people to dress up within reason, right? I mean, you have to follow the dress code. You can't wear a costume if you're over 14. But I think they were trying to encourage people to kind of dress up like the villains would without directly calling it a costume. And we saw some of that, but not near what you would see at a not-so-scary Halloween party. I think... You know, we were in the minority at Not So Scary and not being dressed up, whereas we were definitely not a minority not being dressed up here at uh, at the Villains After Hours event. Well, Not So Scary, we all had Hawaiian shirts on, so we probably looked like we dressed up as typical tourists. That, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't see a lot of it. I can't say that, you know, th- this is, again, part of the trip. It was such a, I mean, I feel like we're going a thousand miles an hour in here, and that's that's very typical of us. You know, we obviously took it much slower in Epcot, as you know, but... I don't know. I, I think that we, not to harp too much on the trip, but I I feel like we did this trip at a much slower pace than, than we normally would, which which is bizarre because it flew by so fast. But this maybe, night certainly did. Maybe it's just this night that... that cause, so I didn't I didn't notice anybody dressing up, but I was also on a mission to see, see, the, see the park, do the attractions, try the snacks. You know, yeah. we, were, we were flying all over the place. Well, interestingly enough, a lot of people in merchandise from the event. So it's like they, I don't know what they did with the clothes they had on before, but a lot of people in t-shirts for the event, a lot of people in hats for the event. Yeah, so I think the merchandise is pretty sweet for this event. Yeah, there is a ton of specialty merchandise, if you can find it, because it was a struggle for you to find so the cup that you bought. I, I there, was, there was a shirt, there was a hat, and there was a, a Tervis cup. I love Tervis cups. I love Yeti style cups. Matter of fact, I'm drinking out of it tonight. With this one, I, you know, I told Pete, I said, "Hey, we need to find it." Popped into one store, couldn't find it. Popped into another, and then we went up to the Emporium in front of front of Magic Kingdom, and I walked in. I said, "Hey," I said, I, "I'm really struggling to find this cup." And the lady said, "Oh, I think we're sold out." Now, fortunately, they weren't. They did find me one. Uh, it was an expensive souvenir. I never buy myself souvenirs from Disney World, uh, so I, I kind of talked to my wife and I said, "Hey, I really want this cup. It's something they only sell at this event. It's something I'll use." And you know, she she of course was uh, totally fine with it, but I, uh, yeah, I it's it was I think twenty nine or thirty four dollars, but it you know Pete was looking at it tonight. It's it's a pretty sweet cup. It has Disney's villains uh, after hours on it twenty nineteen, and then the other side it has Hades, as he mentioned. Hades is kind of the star of the show for the Unite the Night uh, stage show, so it's it feels appropriate that that Hades is on one side of the of the cup and looking pretty evil, I might say. So I, I, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to find it there late. Yeah. I like that Hades cup a lot. Hades, uh, Hades looks really good on it. Yeah. It's, it's one of the higher quality cups too. I mean, it's not a, uh, it's not just a, a crappy souvenir. Like, like I mentioned, a little more expensive, but something that, uh, I'll probably use for quite some time while we do the pot, whenever we do podcasts. Sure. So how about the, how about the, we talked about the merch, but how about the food? They, they do special treats as well. They do have special treats. Well, first off, let's let's talk about what uh, what is included with your ticket and how we tried to game the system. I'll let you, you – do you remember all the numbers? I'll let you explain it. <laughs> I don't remember the numbers exactly, but we figured out how much 
So with your ticket to the Villains After Hours event, you get free free snacks. So you get free Mickey Premium Ice Cream Bars. Uh, the I think they're, <clears throat> they're the like Dole Fruit Popsicles. Yep. Uh, you get uh, free there's popcorn. A, there's an ice cream sandwich. There's an ice cream sandwich. And then you also get free bottled soft drinks and water. So Aquafina, Diet Coke, Sprite. Which is Coke. the best part. Yeah, I mean, it was it was probably a thousand and one degrees when we got trip. to the park at seven o'clock. But yeah, certainly the entire trip. But but that night in particular, and we were dead set. We weren't spending any money until this event started because we had already we had already kind of cashed in our chips and, and spent all our money for the night. So I don't think we even got a bottle of water until the event started. So one of the guys with us actually stopped by uh, stopped by one of the carts about thirty minutes before the event started and said, "Hey, are you guys giving out free water?" and Got us some water, so we did get started early. I was gonna but, say, yeah, we, we we tricked the system there with uh, they said we'll not give it out until the event starts. He said we're gonna be here and it's really hot. Can we get some water? And they just they didn't care. They unlocked it. <laughs> the, the Mickey bars were locked though. They they the couldn't Mickey, give they, us those then. Yeah, they would not give us a Mickey bar. So, but we did figure out, you know, based on the price of a ticket, and I don't remember the exact number. We had to eat between the three of us somewhere around. 90 snacks to, to, to break <laughs> 90 even. 90 to 100 <laughs> snacks, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 90 to 100 snacks. I don't think we made it. I think we got up to 30 or 40 uh, so by, by the end of the night. Here's what I joked with. I told Pete I was just going to walk up and order 30 popcorns and dump 29 of them out just to say I got my money's worth. But So here's the thing. You walk around. Of course, everyone else has the same idea you have. They're going to wait for the free snacks and the lines when the event first started were long because it was really hot outside. Uh, keep in mind, you can get a, a free cup of ice water, which we did do before the event. But um, the popcorn, the ice cream, all that uh, was was included. And I noticed early in the night, they didn't stop you from walking on any attraction with it. You had popcorn, you had this, and the, the attractions got ridiculously messy. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say that what haunted mansion get, especially what, looked terrible. Was it Space Mountain that we got we got stopped? So they on? so. We got on Space Mountain once with popcorn, and and actually, when you got to the end of the line, you saw their trash cans were overflowing with crap, with just to- snacks, bottled water, popcorns. There's popcorn all over the floor. By the end of the night, they were preventing you from going in. But when yeah. I, the reason we got up such to a high count in snacks, a lot of it was bottled water, but a lot of it was also you get a popcorn, you hop in line, and they make you throw it away before you get on the ride. Yeah, so you, you get, get three of bites it. of it. Yeah, then you get. Back off, back off the ride and get another popcorn as you walk around the park. Yeah, it, it definitely, at the beginning of the evening, you know, I, I think there was a lot of novelty there. People people were, were lined up for miles. And, and this isn't at every Disney location that would normally serve these. Most of the, uh, most of the popcorn stands and the carts were open and serving, serving popcorn and drinks and whatnot. And they moved pretty quickly. I mean, as you can imagine... People aren't having to pay. I mean, you walk up, you tell them what you want, and they give it to you, and you go. So the lines were moving quickly, but yeah, the lines were really, really long when we first got there. Uh, but by the end of the night, you could you could literally, like you said, walk up, get a box of popcorn, you get in line for a ride, you get half of it gone, and you have to throw it away. And and as soon as you get off, you get right back in and get some more popcorn. So we, yeah, we it, did get up pretty high. And that's what Pete's... I mean, Pete, the, I, I want to describe to you, the cast members, it was... They were all four independently just taking orders and just putting out made popcorn for people to walk by and grab. So, because it's again, they've weeded out who's not supposed to be there. And there's a reason that these carts didn't open until nine or nine oh five or 10 or 10 oh five, rather. So, what a comment I want to make here while we're talking about this food. And, you know, I know earlier we talked about what a good job Disney did policing this event. Like they had cast members stationed, checking, checking bands. They did a poor job of being prepared on a janitorial custodial level for this event. They had nowhere near enough people emptying trash cans, cleaning bathrooms. I mean, I've never seen the bathrooms at Magic Kingdom look as bad as they did during this event. And and like you said, we got to, and I think it was either Space Mountain or Pirates of the Caribbean. Space It was Space Mountain. There were some trash cans that were so full that people were literally just throwing their boxes of popcorn and their and their bottles and their whatever on the ground because there was literally no place to put this stuff. So as prepared as they were on the policing front, they were they did a very poor job of, of being prepared from a janitorial perspective for this event. And I would say Space Mountain was the worst. 
Pirates Caribbean actually let me. They never told me I couldn't eat my popcorn. I just threw it away right before we were getting on the boat. I, I actually think I could have taken it on that ride. But that's the thing that I noticed. It's just Disney is immaculately clean usually in their on their attractions, especially once you get inside of Haunted Mansion. Maybe the outdoor queue can be a little messy. That's, that's to be understood. But when you were in the stretching room, I mean, I, look, I told Pete, I said, look at the floor. There's popcorn everywhere because it's dark, little kids. I mean, maybe maybe someone drops it, he bumps into you. You know, there's all reasons, but that's why Disney doesn't really allow food in there. So they were going to have to do a number. And we didn't go back to Magic Kingdom, so I have no idea what it looked like the next day. But they were going to have to do a number to get that cleaned. I'm sure it was clean by the end, you know, by the by the next morning. But but still, during the event, I I think uh, I think that's an area they definitely need to improve because it just it looked poor. It really did. It it looked like a standard trashy theme park and not you know the high standard that we're kind of accustomed to at Disney. I think that good point. Very very good point. Well, you want to talk about some of the exclusive treats there or yeah. exclusive snacks, whatever you whatever you want to call them. Yeah, let's let's run down the list, and all these have various prices. They're all available at different areas in the park, so you can't go to one place and try all of these. So we'll we'll try to mention where they are and and um, what they are. So Storybook Treats has the Dragon Breath Float. This is kind of a cool looking drink. It is a, a lemon soft serve ice cream in Sprite with a green cherry and some cherry syrup on it. Kind of cool. Um, and again, before before we get too far into here. No, they don't allow alcoholic beverages at Magic Kingdom for this event. So, unfortunately, all of these t- uh, cocktails are mocktails. So, next up, we've got two at Cool Ship in Tomorrowland. There's the Intergalactic Noodles, which is kind of an Emperor Zerg-themed chilled noodle salad. It's purple and green. It looks interesting. Didn't taste very good. Probably not. not, not your best bet. And then you've also got the Llama Potion, which is Strawberry Fanta with dry ice. Yeah. Uh, didn't really do it for me. I, I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to my beverages. I like, I like water, and uh, I like a select cocktail, and that's about it. And if the water's free, like why, why would you pay for a, a fake, fake cocktail, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, some of the this stuff that was actually pretty good, the... I guess it's kind of a Corella DeVille treat here. Uh, it's at Casey's Corner. It's a brownie with black and white icing. It looks like Corella DeVille's hair. Very good. And the uh, Headless Horseman brownie at Liberty Square popcorn cart, half cookie, half brownie with Headless Horseman chocolate is the best snack at the event, in my opinion. Or the best, I guess, event-exclusive treat. I don't know. That free popcorn is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, so I'll give you the I'll yeah, give free you that. popcorn tasted good. I agree. And, and everything free is better. So we've also got Tortuga Tavern had the Hades nachos, which were nachos with uh, buffalo chicken and, and nacho cheese. And then Hades Temptation, which is a purple frozen drink without alcohol. Again, same kind of, con- I mean, you know, and we kind of alternated as a group on what we were trying and who was buying. And the Hades nachos aren't anything unique or out of the ordinary. When I go to Disney, I think of really, really good, really, really good, like, sweets so brownies cook so no no uh, surprise that the the brownies were my favorite uh sleepy hollow also had two if sleepy hollow is where they serve the nutella waffle that is very famous for that location uh but they actually had a doctor so they they also had dr facilier's tarot card which i think is the best looking snack at this event it was okay um, and, and this is a, a chocolate tart with uh, filled with chocolate ganache. It also has peanut butter mousse, and then it's it's covered up with a white chocolate tarot card. I think this is the coolest looking snack at the event. I don't think it's the the best tasting. I think it, the headless Hor- horseman, I guess brookie. It's half brownie, half cookie, right? I, I think that was the best tasting, but I think this is certainly the best looking. And then you also had a drink from the other side, which is if you ever been in New Orleans and had a hurricane before. This is a hurricane without the rum. Don't waste your time. <laughs> the uh, the Main Street Bakery had a not so poison apple cupcake, spiced apple cupcake with uh, pecan crunch. And this was cool looking too. It's cool looking. There's better snacks in the Main Street Bakery on the on the daily. I would not uh, lose sleep over that one. And then the uh, Maleficent, Maleficent cone at Storybook Treats was a lime soft serve with chocolate horns and a black waffle cone. Very difficult to keep together in the heat, 
that you deal with there also looks very cool. Yeah, I thought I thought this looked really good. The the, the ice cream and the black waffle cone did uh, did look really good. So so that's kind of all the specialty treats they had. They they vary in price. You know, three, four, five, six, seven bucks somewhere around in that ballpark. You know, if if you don't get any of these, I don't. You're not really missing out all that much. Yeah, you know, I I mean, I do think the headless horseman brownie and, and the Deville treat are both pretty good, but yeah, going looking over the list again and after being you know going through it, I I don't think that any of these are a must. I think you can do just fine with a Mickey bar. A Mickey ice cream sandwich, the fruit pop. And a hundred boxes of popcorn. Yeah, a hundred boxes of popcorn, the bottled water and the sodas. You know, I think uh, that's totally fine. And and definitely grab, you know, definitely grab a box of popcorn and a soda for the way out too, for the road home. I think we, we, think did we that. got a couple boxes of popcorn and a couple of drinks on our way out. Yep. We uh, Now, another thing I'll mention, we didn't mention this. They ran out of water at some locations by the end of the night. They certainly did, which was uh, not not good. And that's again. I mean, you're you're dealing with the heat, and I even though we live in the South, I underestimated how hot it was. I mean, it was scorching hot and humid and very humid. Yeah, it was. It was very humid. It was Disney in the summer. Disney in the summer, absolutely. So, impressions of the event. What's what's your kind of final bottom line take on this? So I so I have never been to a straight Disney after hours event. But it the lines look better there. The the wait 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 times. I would rank not so scary and very merry on in its own tier, as far as theming the free snacks. There there there's parades. There's fireworks. There's stage shows. There's meet and greets. All those really appeal to a lot of people. I think I would probably rate a standard Disney after hours ahead of this, because I don't need all the extras. I like short wait times. And then this. Now, I say all that to say, all of them are worth it. This is the least worth it to me, but it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I, I really thought it was hilarious pounding 100 boxes of popcorn. Space Mountain was worth price of admission. Pirates Caribbean was super, super neat. And some of the merchandise is really cool if you're into that kind of thing. Neither of us really are. That's what I was saying. I mean, I very rarely buy myself something at Disney World, but that that's kind of my, you know, if you haven't, if you if you're sitting there as a family and it's, Hey, we can go in the summer and do this after hours, or we can go at Christmas and do this one or Halloween. I, th- I think you lean more toward the Halloween or the Christmas one. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. Space Mountain alone was worth the price of admission to this. It was by far the coolest Space Mountain experience I've ever had, and I, I haven't seen a couple of the overlays that they've done. But, but yeah, I, th- I think Space Mountain was definitely worth the price of admission. I'm on the same page. It felt like something was missing here. You know, this was built as a villain's event, and yeah, the theming was there, the Magic Kingdom felt eerie, and we talked about this when we were going through the park. It just, it felt like something was missing, and, and that could have been the character meet and greets. I, I don't know what exactly it was, but for as expensive as this was, it, it just felt like you should have gotten more. And and to speak to the, the other After Hours events, I've seen people go to Animal Kingdom After Hours and over and over and over again, go through Avatar Flight of Passage. Kind of like my experience solo in Animal Kingdom was. You couldn't do that really at, at, the, at the big ticket rides here at Magic Kingdom. It was, it, was, it was a little too crowded for that. So I think if this is going to be something that Disney continues, I think they cut the crowd levels a little bit. They, they sell fewer tickets. They cap it. And I know they're not going to do that because they're looking to max profit on this. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like you get a lot for what you pay for it. Yeah, you're in the Magic Kingdom late at night. Yeah, you get free drinks and snacks. But And yeah, you get a couple of unique ride experiences. But it just seems like you get so much more for your money doing a Not-So-Scary or a uh, or a very, very Merry Christmas. So I agree. I think this is definitely ranked below those in my book. So the only thing I want to clarify, you said big ticket attractions. He just means Space Mountain and Seven Dwarfs, correct? Because you could walk on Splash Mountain and you could walk, and Peter Pan would be Peter Pan's another one. Correct. And I, I didn't really look at Big Thunder, but I'm sure that was this eh, actually, yes, I did. That's not true. Big Thunder did have about a 15 minute wait at times. Yep. So I don't know. To me, you go to an, you pay all this money for an after hours event and you have to wait in line. Like that doesn't send the right message to me. I think yeah, it no, needs to be I capped agree. to the point where where those lines don't exist. Yeah, I, and and another thing, the way they were running Space Mountain to me, and this is a, probably a different episode, but 
the efficiency of only kind of pulsing the line to let people on the right side, but primarily putting folks on the left, that just, it doesn't make sense. You should roll both lines, be fully staffed, where people can do what we do at Merry, uh, Very Merry Christmas and Not So Scary, where we're just constantly on them. Yeah, I agree. Anything else on uh, the Villains After Hours? And I don't want to give the wrong impression. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed this event. You know, if I had, again, if I had my choice between this and Not So Scary, I'm going to Not So Scary. But based on the way our trip was set up, would I do this again? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think we're going to give perfect expression. We're not overstating. We're not overhyping this. That Oh, it's the best thing we've ever done. We're, we're, I think we're, we're giving off the exact vibe that we're trying to convey to you all that it's expensive. And we want you to know these things going in that don't make the assumption you're going to walk on the attractions. And there's better, there are better ways to spend your money at Disney World for after hours event. But this one is very unique and fun in its own right. To me, the biggest question is who is this meant to appeal to? Because it's, it's not really meant to appeal to the character people, right? There's no characters. It's not really meant to appeal to the people who want to go ride rides because they've got lines for the rides. So who, who does, who is this supposed to appeal to? And I, I guess I'm having trouble understanding, you know, what who this is for. Yeah, it's a really good point. That's a good point. People so, who want more Disney. I I guess so. I guess so. Idiots like us that are they're willing to shell out whatever the mouse wants, right? Hey, listen, listen. The mouse the mouse ain't cheap. The mouse ain't cheap. That's true. Well, anything else? No, that's it. All right. Well, let's go into the trivia question and secret for the week. What have we got this week? We're going to start with the secret. Did you know that small pipes shoot the trash through the utilidors under the Magic Kingdom at 60 miles per hour? I know we've talked about how how aware Disney is of keeping the parks clean, but I, this is fascinating to me that they actually have pipes that are shooting trash to the utilidors at a rate of 60 miles per hour. Uh, I mean, that would really hurt if a, a bottle hits you uh, going that speed if it somehow popped out of the pipe. Uh, but that, that's always been fascinating to me, and I don't think we've shared that on the podcast in any capacity. So uh, moving on to the trivia question. Trivia question from, I don't know how many weeks ago, multiple weeks ago, a long time ago, right? Uh, trivia question is, or was, what is the name of the fictional mining town the Big Thunder Railroad takes place in? It's the town of Tumbleweed. We had a lot of guesses um, through our Twitter and our email. Appreciate everyone participating. Uh, that was a fun one, and I hate that it took us so long to get you the answer back. But now we're on with the trivia question of this week. Again, you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendoww at gmail.com with the answer. Uh, trivia question is, on the partner statue in front of the castle at the Magic Kingdom, Walt is wearing a ring on his right ring finger. So it's obviously not his wedding ring. What type of ring is this, and why is he wearing it? And I guess the last bonus is, who, who did he purchase this ring with? So... Uh, that's a lot there to unpack, so I'll reread it. On the partner statue in front of the castle at the Magic Kingdom, Walt is wearing a ring on his right ring finger, obviously not his wedding ring. What type of ring is it? Why is he wearing it? And who did he purchase it with? Uh, this is kind of a three-parter that uh, that I think is a pretty cool Disney secret. So as I mentioned, you can tweet us at WDW podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for me. Turn it over to you, Pete. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at MendoWDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at MendoWDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.